0: You're listening to the Getting Social Podcast, where we get social on entrepreneurship and everything that comes with it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Getting Social Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Palocard. In case you're wondering why I'm showing you my socks, did you notice that there were some rockets on them? The reason why is because lately I've been feeling like a. Um, just taken off. This is episode 10 of the Getting Social podcast and I've been grateful for what I've learned in the past 10 episodes. And not only about you know the technical stuff, the ins and outs of putting together a podcast, which I'm still learning by the way, but most importantly, what I've learned from my guests and the knowledge that I've acquired and the wisdom that I've gained and the resiliency and the consistency that I've learned through the podcast, I'm so grateful for. And now, the real reason why I'm showing you my socks. My next guest, Jonathan Arias, better known as the Prime Minister of the Sock Ministry, has shown me a whole new appreciation for socks. Jonathan Arias is a lawyer, businessman, and family man, and his passion for socks has been a part of the building process of this brand, making it the perfect example of what personal branding can do for you. Let's go straight to it. It's time to get social.
1: All right, Jonathan. So we want to hear from you. We want to hear about your story. So take us back from Jonathan the kid to Jonathan the big
2: kid. Uh, My mother is Dominican. Um, She came to the U.S. in the late 70s, as so many Dominicans did. Uh, You know, seeking better opportunities, like I'm sure Jeff's family did, and most of us uh, here in South Florida we're really a a city of immigrants. Um, so, so grew up here and really in Homestead, uh, Florida, there's not much going on. It's not the, uh, it's not the epicenter of progress and development. If you know what I'm saying, I had to, uh, I had to uh, escape uh, my situation. So funny, this isn't a knock on anyone, but I, I was, thinking about this a few weeks ago about how uh growing up my measure of the greatest success that was possible was uh living in leisure city which is a small part of, of, of homestead and having a three a three two like 11 1300 square feet i was like in my mind i could do no better than that i i couldn't do better like because of the struggle it was just that was the limit of my, of, of my, what my imagination could fathom. And I was like, man, that would be awesome. Like, I can't wait. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I, I obviously, uh, want something different than that. And this isn't a knock to anyone who lives in that type of situation or who that's, the, that's their aspiration. But that's the type of environment that I was living in. I mean, the, it's a community of immigrants and this is, this is, that's what I thought was like living high on a hog. And so, uh, I, by God's grace, I got into the agriculture program at South Bay Senior High School, and, and that led me to getting scholarships. Uh, I got a full ride to Florida A&M University, and by God's grace, I also got a full ride to Michigan State for law school. Um, but let me back up real quick. Uh, why did I become a lawyer? I did not become a lawyer, uh, to, because I wanted to become a lawyer. I, I kind of became a lawyer for, uh, in a roundabout way, so I started my first company when I was in college. It was a cheesecake company, and Jeff, you'll know what this means. Uh, the the official long name of the business was Legato au fromage, which means <laughs> cheesecake. That's right, the, cheese, the <laughs> cheesecake. Right? And uh, when you when you're starting a business for the first time and you don't know anything, the first thing you think about is French. It's fancy, so let's name it something French, so that people will think I'm fancy and buy from us. Right? And that was our philosophy. And boy, was it a crappy philosophy for a crappy business. Um, actually, it wasn't a crappy business. It just, it, you know, you just have to take your lump. You have to start somewhere. And often, when you start, you suck. And we, we kind of sucked. And so uh, this is my senior year in college. Uh, a, a friend of mine, a roommate of mine, was a was a beast with cheesecake, and his, his cheesecake was amazing. And people started requesting them, and I I I was like, hey man, if you make it, I can sell it. And and we're like, yeah, let's do it. We found commercial kitchen space, incorporated, got insurance, got website, got business cards, did the whole the whole thing. And, uh, man, I learned my first big lesson in business at that point. And that's why I appreciate that business. And I appreciate everything that I went through because it led me to where I am now. And the lesson I learned there was, Hey, people every day, they're screaming at you. They're yelling at you, who they are. They're saying, Hey, I'm irresponsible. Hey, Jonathan, I can't be trusted. Hey, Jonathan, I'm a, I'm a very responsible. They yell at you via their actions. Um, and the lesson for me was believe what they say to you. And I I learned that, you know, partnering with someone who had some faults, God bless them, love them to this day, but I had no business partnering with them and, I made the I made a, a, that mistake on other occasions, but it led me to where I am now. To where it's like, man, you take your lumps, you reflect, lick your wounds, and then you keep moving. And so that was my first company. Um, but the reason why I brought that up is because after taking a whooping and the, the business essentially crumbling, and thank God we we paid everybody and 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 that that. You know, I, I kept my good name, uh, sort of, of mostly. Um, I was like, man, I went to the school of hard knocks. Now, I need to go. I, I, I want to go to some formal schooling. Like, this school of hard knocks is cool, but, man, can I get an MBA? And so I started researching MBAs, and then when I started researching MBAs, I started researching JD programs. And, and so I, I was looking at MBA-JD joint programs. And sure enough, um, Michigan State had one where the the business school was ranked very highly, and the law school was ranked lower on the on the on the scale. So my idea was to get into the law school and then sneak into the B school through the back door. By God's grace, I got a full ride. And um, fast forward, I never got the MBA because Michigan is freaking cold. In case you didn't know. Jeff, you went yeah. to school up north, right?
1: I went to school in Rhode Island, so I know what you're talking about. Yes,
2: yes, I knew, I knew you went to school up north. I, I couldn't remember where, but yes, it's freaking cold. So the coldest it got my first winter was negative thirty-three degrees with the wind chill. My brother, that was cold. My brother,
1: you know what? That I don't think third. I've experienced. I don't think I've experienced that cold. I might have experienced that cold, maybe, from a trip. Uh, to toronto i remember a uh, long time ago uh but in terms of uh, my college years i don't think i've ever gotten negative 33 with windshields so hey
2: well yeah. guess what <laughs> yes guess what neither have i I was inside <laughs> the whole day my brother so anyway i i, I it's funny because i thought about it i had to do an extra year if i wanted the nba and it's funny. I didn't even think about it in terms of doing an extra year in Michigan. I thought about it as in terms of doing an extra winter. I was like, "Man, can I can I do another winter?" And the answer for me was like, "Nah, I'm good." And then I also didn't think I needed it for for what I wanted to do, which is which is start my own businesses. Um, and so that leads me to me figuring out, you know, why I'm here on this earth. And the reason is so. So uh, let me backtrack a little bit. When I was 13 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. I started a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and and you know everything in my life changed. And my my trajectory has been directed, or, or, or um, it's been directed by you know what God's plan is for my life, you know, and and, and what His His Word, the Bible says, says to me and how I should be living my life. And and how that it's played out for me is, and I'm here on this earth, Jeff, to create companies that create good. To create companies that create good. Every day, Monday through Friday, and even, even a lot of times on Saturday, I'm working on creating companies that create good. Everything that I do is has to do with creating companies that create good. And, and just a little tidbit, a little nugget for your listeners, it's important to create uh, a personal mission statement for yourself in terms of, uh, so that you know when you're, when you're doing what you're, what you're supposed to be doing or not, you run everything through the grid of that mission statement. But anyway, so, so then when I'm, when I'm, you know, going to, going to law school and going to uh, thinking I'm going to go to business school, it was all for that purpose. It was, it was so that I could be better at creating companies that create good, and just the way that plays out for me is I give money away. I give at least ten percent uh, of of what I earn away, you know, to to missions work and to charitable causes. But that's just the minimum. That's that's just you know that's a jumping off point. The goal is to give way more than that, and then in addition to that, you know, I creating companies that are just benevolent. So when I was in law school, one of the things I did was I started a company called Cuts and Combos, and it was a nonprofit. And we would go to community shelters, excuse me, community centers and homeless shelters, and we would uh, provide beauty services, so haircuts and nails and things of that nature. And then we would bring in speakers because when you're getting a haircut or you're waiting to get a haircut, you're, you have a captive audience, so people aren't going anywhere until you're done, so, um, so then we would bring in speakers like this, we brought in the of police in Lansing, Michigan, and we'd bring in uh, law professors to talk about policing, and talk about uh, housing, and, and their right, uh, people's rights regarding housing, and uh, pastors to come and share the gospel, and, and so, um, it was, uh, it, so that's, that's my purpose, and that's why I'm here, and and so fast forward to today even even the law firm that i'm uh you know blessed to to be running today it's still for that purpose to create companies that create good so that's uh that's the answer to that Jeff Jonathan um
1: to be completely honest with you i am discovering things about you that I had no idea about um that's oh, yeah, like what not like the entire, like creating companies, uh, for, to do good. I obviously, I know, I know you're a good person. You're a great person. And I know about your relationship with God. I know that, you know, you, uh, um, are, you know, you're doing great things and you're using, just like I said in the intro, you're using your entrepreneurial platform to do good. You're, you're trying your best to impact people in a positive manner and, and influence people, which is what it's all about. But I didn't know all of those details, and also how much passion that you put into this. I want to know, like, why you said it in a way. But why did you choose law? I know that you said earlier that you wanted something that's more legitimate. But tell me, why did you choose law? You know, as as that profession.
2: Yeah, man. So so going back to you know me me going to law school initially. Well. Well, first of all, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and once I recovered from, uh, from losing my first business, the idea was, you know, I, I would eventually get back, get back on it. Um, but then I started looking at it, and I was like, man, what, what kind of tools can I arm myself with? And an MBA was one of those tools that I was looking at, and then a JD was one of those tools. But here's the thing it's like, you don't need an MBA. To be a business person. Uh, matter of fact, I would argue that most of the people at the top don't have MBAs. A lot of people working uh, for for the people at the top will have MBAs, and not a knock on people that have MBAs. But it that's just the way I see it. Um, so you don't need it in order to to do business, people things. However, you do need a JD, and you do need to pass the bar in order to do legal things. And I was like. Man, if that's the case, then and, and if I really understand how contracts work and understand how agreements work, understand how how mergers work. And and man, if that can aid me in in my objective, then let's do it. And and so that was that was the big that, that was the big idea, Jeff. And and really, it it, it every day is is a, a slice of that. And here's what I mean by that is that every day I'm looking to arm myself with tools. Now it might not be something as as big of a project as freaking moving from Florida to Michigan for three years and coming back studying for three months straight with no breaks and then taking the bar exam and then, you you know, and then, then, then I have, you know, I'm an attorney at that point. It may not be as drastic or as big of a project as that, but every day is, is, is that, Jeff. It's, it's how am I going to arm myself today? So if it's listening to an audio book, if it's listening to a podcast, if it's having conversations like this with people who are in a different area of, of practice and, and, and know their thing, you're a marketing guy. So, so it's, it's that every day. Um, it just happened to be that, you know, in terms of, allowing me to, to, to become an attorney because I thought that I would understand business better. And then also, I also felt like it would allow me to get into rooms that I wouldn't be able to get into had I not had the degree. And yeah. I think that that had certainly been the case. Uh, I, uh, I'm a minority and you know this is just a, this is the way I view the world. Um, you know, trigger warning for any of your listeners, but, um, I, I think that there are a lot of interactions that I would not have with white men had I not had, uh, had I not been an attorney, you know, I, they they probably wouldn't associate with me in business or, or even as colleagues had I not been an attorney. And, um, and again, trigger warning, but I mean, I think it's, I think, it's, it's, no one will argue that argue with me that white men, hold the keys most of the keys in this country and just being able to be in rooms like that i think uh i think has been a great benefit and has been an accelerator to me and what i'm trying to do while i'm on planet earth man look um I'm happy you brought
1: this up because this is the Getting Social podcast where we keep it real at all times. So that's important. Okay, so can. I don't have
2: to. I don't have to get trigger warnings anymore.
1: You do not have to do that. There's okay. one thing all I, right. I kind of dis- I disagree with you in one in in one aspect though, and I'll tell you why. Sure. You yeah. said that um, no one can argue that uh, white men, or I say white business people in general, or white people uh, in in any uh, industry, for example we hold the keys. I've had different conversations with people and, and I've realized that not all of us actually see it this way, which is part of the problem. I, I think it's, I don't even understand how someone could not see it. That's why I said I partially dis- I disagree because it's, it's a given, well, at least we should think that everyone would agree to that. Our mission as entrepreneurs is to educate people and bring light into this uh, uh, topic and make sure that everybody understands that this is the reason why we're saying what we're saying. You know, we're not trying to play yeah. a victim here. This is just based on concrete facts of, of years yeah. and years and years of oppression.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If you allow me to just push back on that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, um, so two things, number one, uh, you can live in a city like Miami and never really travel too far. Like the the extent of your travel is, you know, Naples and West Palm beach and your reality could be that, you know, that it's not necessarily a white man because I, I traveled around the world, uh, you know, Europe, South America, you know, all, uh, all over the world. Right. And, And you, you gain perspective when you do that. Um, and, 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 and certainly when you leave, you know, South Florida, when you leave Palm beach County, all bets are off, you know, maybe, maybe Orlando's (laughs) a a little haven, Tampa's a haven. But after that, I mean, look at who holds the keys. I mean, look at elected officials, look at the business people there. And, And so I would say that, yes, if their reality is just Miami or maybe certain parts of New York or maybe certain parts of, I don't know, other city. I know this city and I know that I didn't even identify as a black man before, before I left to college. And I really saw the world for what it was. I mean, because in this, in this city, in this city, you can identify as a third option, which is Hispanic, which doesn't make any sense for a myriad of reasons, which I don't have to get into at this point, but, I am a black man. I understand that now, but this city kind of shields you from having to deal with realities because it is, it is, it is set up the way it is due to the history of the city. That's number one. Uh, but number two, I mean, if you want to talk about it, I mean, outside of Obama and then after Obama, look at elected officials on the national level. Uh, look at elected officials, you know, uh, and local le- at the local level in in different places that are not named, you know, Miami Broward, um, and and then just look at other things like how how many black grocery stores do you go to, Jeff? Do you not? Not go to any black? I mean, right, uh, not that I, not that that I, I know, know of. How many black owned or black started cars have you driven? Huh. I have no idea.
1: Uh, <laughs> if, if, there, if, there, if there aren't any You know, honestly
2: Honestly, if there aren't any That would be the car that I would buy You know, but I don't know and, but, but that just gives you a, I mean, I, I could I could, name, I could rattle off A, a bunch of other Other uh, You know Other 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 questions like that You can go into sports, for example Yeah Specifically football, I would say Because in a
1: league where I think it's 80% black Or something like that Or 70% black And then you have
2: maybe a 1% or 2% uh, of that are in positions of, of, of management and leadership. There you go. So, so yeah, yeah, man, that, that would be my response to an individual like that. It's just, it's just showing them, Hey, let's just go through it, you know? And, and if they don't, if they don't want to change their opinion, then they're entitled to that, but it, it might just be out of stubbornness and not picked off of the reality in our, in our, in our country. Yeah. And thank you for saying that. And you're absolutely right. I think uh, here in uh,
1: South Florida, we do live in <clears> a bubble. Uh, and I'll take it further in my country in Haiti. Um, I'm basically considered a white man, you know, and it's not only because I am light, quote unquote light skin is um, I was given an explanation once by someone telling me that um, I, he called me white man. So I'm like, why, why did you call me white man? You know? And he's like, well, because you're, you know, you have money, you have, you have a car and you have a house, blah, blah, blah. And I don't have any of that. And they associate that with being a white person. And ironically in this specific situation, he was a lot lighter than me, <laughs> you know, a lot lighter wow. than me. And I, and I literally went next to him. I put my arm next to him. I was like, who's lighter? Me or you? And he still told me you are. I'm like, shit. And so, I'm like, this is, this is deeper than just, you know, what they see. It's about, a whole it's a whole like a concept and ideology that the white person like you said holds the keys <laughs> let's talk about social media man let's talk about your personal yeah. branding because even yeah. even when uh we used to be in I together every day you came in and you gave us an educational segment <laughs> and it yeah. was it was a mix of fun and education <laughs> Uh, and we always enjoyed it. And honestly, I felt, you know, a, a little bit of, uh, of jealousy because I was, I was, you know, I'm the president and, and this guy is killing my thunder every, every meeting. <laughs> you know, but we were, looking, we were looking forward to what we were going to do every single time. And I, I, I want to mm-hmm. ask you this question because social media is a major, major part of, 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 of our society right now. And I want to know from your perspective, how does does this persona that you created, uh, translate over to social media and why it's important, especially with you being an entrepreneur and lawyer, uh, and how do you use social media
2: to translate that? Right. So, I mean, I should be asking you a question because you're the expert on this area, but I mean, I'll talk (laughs) about my journey. And, and, you know, where I came up with the whole stock ministry and the stock ministry, uh, you know, prime minister of the stock ministry persona. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I call myself. Uh, by the way, I'm getting t-shirts made. Um, they'll be nice. Ready. <laughs> they'll be ready soon. And I are going to say, you know, just have different sock ministry, uh, phrases on them. But, um, basically it was this, Jeff. Um, so I was, I would look around, And, and, and think about who is memorable. And and as a black man, you kind of, you, you know about being invisible, you know, you know about being invisible, but at the same time, like you stick out, if that makes sense. You stick out because you're different than, than other people, but you're invisible because, uh, people don't acknowledge you the way they might, some of their other white peers. Um, and so I started talking with friends and, 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 in my own research, looking at, man, what makes people memorable? And, and for me, man, it was just, it's just being something about them. So, um, this guy, uh, Seth, Seth Godin, um, uh, I don't know if you know him, but he writes business books. He's, he's kind of a marketing guy. He has a bald head. And a lot of times in his in his social media and in his it just things that, that promote him, it would just be, you know, his his face from the like from the nose up and so it would just be his glasses and his bald head. Um oh,
1: um I you know that's not I could des- not if you're describing this exact image, uh I, I remember seeing him. So I know Right I'll and you didn't even know his name up. you
2: you no I, you I, maybe I, I haven't I, even I just, Right. And you maybe haven't even heard of any of his books, but it nope, just died. Like, yeah, I've seen that guy. Right. Yep. Right. Um and uh one time I was in uh, when I was in Michigan, um, I think uh this, this had either she either she had green glasses or red glasses. And I was like, Oh man, I really like your, your glasses and she was telling me, Yeah, they're not even um they're not even prescription, but I just wear them because this helps me promote my brand. It's like, Oh, the, the lady with the green glasses. It was a it was a distinctive green, I believe. Um, nice. so, you know, just taking that with me and, and thinking about something that, I, that I could do that hasn't been done. So, you know, some, some business people, are, they're bow tie guys and I, I had a few bow ties, but you know, uh, it wasn't really my thing. And I don't know, and then some people are like suspenders guys, and that's that's what they think suspenders. But again, that wasn't. Eh, I don't know. And then um, you know, I just stumbled upon socks, and I and I really liked it. And, and here's the here's the big thing is that they're they're low cost. And what really jumped it off, Jeff, is when I started giving them away to, to other business people. You you take somebody out for lunch, right? You you, you know you you spend all told I don't know like forty fifty bucks, you know, on lunch and they say, get somebody out for lunch. They say, thank you. You know, they're appreciative. You, you treat them to coffee, whatever. You, you meet them for lunch. They say, thank you. You know, you spend 12 bucks, or whatever. Uh, but that, that meal's forgotten, you know, in, in about 30 minutes. Um, but but you give somebody a gift like socks. They, first of all, they're appreciative because it's, it's different. It's unique. It's not something that they're used to getting, especially if all they have are a black socks. But then and this has happened on several occasions, they go through their you know, their their drawer of regular socks and then they see yours. Guess what? If they look if they put on socks every day and they and they have, you know, nothing but black socks and then they see your colorful uh my dentist, uh, I gave him some popcorn socks. And every once in a while he'll send me a picture of, of him wearing the socks Because it's it's unlike anything that he has in his in his in his drawer. And every day, he have to look at his sock drawer before he puts on socks. Guess who he's thinking about when he's putting on those socks? This is brilliant. He's thinking about me, bro. He's thinking about me. Not because of the great business man I have, but because every day, he just has to acknowledge the fact that, yeah, this, this red pair of socks, this, this bright green pair of socks came from uh, one of my clients or, you know, my attorney, whatever. And so that was the justification for it. And, you know, and then I just, you know, it, it became a thing where judges acknowledge it. I'll go into the courtroom and they will say, you know, counsel. And I love when you come in here with your socks, man, a, a judge who sees, oh, I don't know how many attorneys a day, 70, you know? Um, uh, but he remembers me. He remembers you know, Mr. Elias, uh, what what do you have on today? You know, I don't ask me to pull up my my pants leg, and so it's just something where I could I could wear it in a casual setting. I could wear it in a business setting, and um, and it, it 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 works. Whereas maybe like a tie, like if I wear a crazy tie, then I just look like a clown, you know. And and you know, I I I, I couldn't I couldn't pull that off with a shirt too. You can't wear a crazy shirt to court. It's just, there, w- there wasn't another option, but this is something that, you know, um, really, really changes the game. And, you know, it was low cost. I, f- I found different places that I could get distinctive socks for, for for a low amount. So, I became the prime minister of the socks ministry. And I, I invented something, the socks ministry. And, you know, the big thing is we we saved souls, S-O-L-E-S. And that was just a, nice. a, a dumb social... Social media thing—it's like, oh man, it is not, ugly socks. I we disagree. Need to pay your soul. It is, I disagree. It is not dumb. I, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Well, well, praise God, man. But but yeah, you know. So I'm out here saving souls, and, and people and people remember that. They're like, man, I need I need to get my I need my soul to be saved. You know, and I give away a bunch of socks. But think about it, Jeff. Again, that example with uh, going out to lunch spend 40 bucks, right? How many pairs of socks can I get with 40 bucks? I could, uh, you know, I, I, I buy them inexpensive. I, you know, I could get my like 18 pairs of socks, something like that. 15 pairs of socks, man, that one lunch, which is forgotten versus a one pair of socks, which every time the person see, will, will put them on. Uh, they think about me. It's just, it's just a more effective tool. And, and so, you know, I, I, I thought about it, like, I'll oh, send, you send cards as a thank you, you send this, you send that, a mug, you know, a pen, socks, bro. And that's just become my thing. Look, um,
1: honestly, man, I've always loved that. That's why I wanted to make sure to ask you about, you know, this question. Um, it's, it's brilliant, man. It's, and it's, and you're right. Every time a person will open their song drawer, you will pop into their minds with a positive emotion, you know, for real, mm-hmm. you, because your, your stocks are, you know, that, you know, it's not a, a, a you know, a, a boring stock. It's, it's a fun stock. So obviously it comes with a smile. So that, 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 that to me, always, always, uh, uh, uh was a, a favorite of mine, uh, when you presented a BNI and when I asked you how it translate, translate over to social media, it's, it's, it's the same thing because people on social media, who also remember you for that, you know, because that's, that's unique. And also it brings, it brings a different dynamic to your brand that not maybe other people do it, do it, but it's not your traditional, you know, branding, you know, and uh, uh, being the prime minister of the thought ministry and saving souls (laughs) is something that everybody's going to remember, you know, and, and and it's great, man. It's great because I, and you said earlier also that I should be the one obviously to, to talk about, you know, how it translates over to social media, because, you know, I'm, I'm quote unquote, the expert. I'm still learning about it. I think we're all, you know, basically, uh, uh, apprentices and, and learning about the, the ins and outs of social media, because we are all influencers. That's one thing that I keep repeating all the time. We are all influencers. Just be, we have the same platform I have a phone, whether it's an iPhone or uh, uh, a Samsung, or, or whatever, but it gives me the same access that you do uh, on social media and where we could use that platform to grow our business. We could use that platform to influence and, and empower others. We could use this platform to spread, you know, horrible things also, which is, you know, sad, but a lot of people unfortunately use that to do this too. But, we have a responsibility and we have a duty as entrepreneurs to use it, you know, in a way that can empower people. And, and I thank you for you uh, doing it and, and, and using it this way, you know, because you are doing that. Even if it's, if it's through your messaging, even if it's, if it's through giving away some of those thoughts, bringing a few more smiles on, on people's faces, all of these things are great, you know. So, so, so thank you for that and thank you for sharing that. Now, with what we're experiencing with the pandemic, with social distancing, uh, you told me that you are even you're still practicing at a distance. And I want to hear a little bit more about that, about how you're using digital tools
2: to uh, practice uh, law. So my marketing approach is, is different than a lot of attorneys. Um, because maybe because I think more of a, as a businessman, I'm a businessman person who happens to be an attorney versus an attorney who happens to own a business. And there's a big difference between those two, but I was driving up to Atlanta this past weekend for July 4th weekend. My brother lives in Atlanta. We went to visit him and, uh, I just see so many attorney billboards. And I'll never forget, man, when I was in college, I went to this thing called the media sales institute and i and I did it because I wanted to be a better salesman um and uh they it was it was basically teaching uh college students how to uh, about career uh, about careers in media sales and um I'll never forget one of the presenters talked about how there was this one client and he would buy uh uh commercials, TV commercials. And he would put them on at the time that he wanted to put them on because he wanted to be able to watch TV with his wife and see his own commercials. And, and she was, uh, the presenter was talking about how wow. that was foolish and that, you know, marketing should be about what, what gets a blessing seat. So it gets people in the door and, and, uh, you know, helps you to make sales. Um, and I often think, I can't get in the head of, of uh attorneys, but I often think that, man, with with the billboards, some attorneys just like having their billboard out there. They like seeing their face when they drive down the road. Because I don't know about you, Jeff, but when somebody wants an attorney, I think that, this is my personal opinion, I think the first thing they do is they ask their network. They say, hey, you know an attorney. Uh I have such and such issue." If I'm top of mind, then I come up right then and there. The second thing that they might do if if uh, any, uh, if their network says "No, no, 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 no results, then they go to Google and they start doing research and they and and whoever pops up at that point is is the person who wins so those two areas are the areas where and where I attack because I've never heard anybody say, "Hey, I saw this billboard." So, uh, and and while I'm driving 70 miles an hour down the Dolphin Expressway, down the Palmetto, I'm going to write down this phone number just in case I need that person sometime in the future. Now, that might have happened on on, uh, on more than one occasion. I don't know about it. My experience and the way I get my referrals, and, and again, I'm I'm not doing billboards, but I think that that's the way people search, at least in my generation. And so, that's. That's my approach and I just want to be top of mind for those, those reasons. And then in addition to that, I want to make sure that my PPC game is, is up, is up to par and my SEO game is up to par as much as, as much as it can be because those are the places in which I've decided to kind of put my flag down in the ground and say, okay, I want to, I want to dominate in this space. Well, you're right about that and I think, I
1: think the billboard situation is a good example to maybe explain what social media does uh the uh, The only difference is that with social media you can always go back and check. oh, I remember seeing this attorney um a bunch of times, let's say last week last month, because you're forgetting exactly. about that you're not you're not gonna be like oh, let me write down this guy's or this uh, woman's uh, phone number here just in case I get into a car accident next week or, you know, or exactly. if I get if I get divorced next year or whatever. Or if you're thinking about a divorce, maybe you do it right then and there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you use it as exactly. a sign. Like, oh, maybe this is a sign. But exactly, um, you're not going to necessarily remember Uh, this person or this attorney and to call them whenever you are ready to use their services. So that's, that's a great, great point. And social media sometimes is the same. Like I said earlier though, the difference is that you can always go back, you can save that information Mm -hmm. and you can also look at that person's uh, 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 name or information afterwards and then still look at what they're doing and see if it's a right fit for you. So that's that's right. that's the difference with social media, also, and also I think it builds credibility because if your if your social media looks you know lazy and mm-hmm. uh, completely you know unbranded and and wrong information and maybe their last post was like you know November twenty eighteen or whatever, mm-hmm. then you know you're not gonna have the same amount of credibility as someone who puts in a little bit more effort. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to post 10 times a day. You know, it just means that you have to have some sort of level of consistency and also a little bit of, of effort to make that, to make your content be, be worthwhile, you know, and for, for it also to help, to educate, to motivate and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, definitely, definitely agree with that. And the PPC and Google side of things, that's exactly right, man. You already know the game. That's that's how it works. Legal services are, are services that people search for, you know, uh, uh, and you have to be present on Google. That's for sure. My next question is about your next steps. I know earlier you said that you had some some uh, big uh, uh, announcements that you wanted to share with us <laughs> and my uh, millions and millions of listeners. So we are all listening. <laughs>
2: So, so I, um, so I, uh, my, my wife, uh, is in school out of the country. And so I, uh, went and I moved with her. She, she, she moved to Antigua and I went, uh, right there with her, uh, to Antigua. We moved our family from South Florida, Miami, and, um, and we moved to Antigua. Um, I had a little bit of, uh, a warning and I was like, man, I need to figure out a way where I could feed my family, even though I'm overseas. And I spoke to, uh, uh, by, by God's grace, one of my buddies had a buddy whose wife was in medical school. And, and so I had kind of an inside, an inside track, uh, on what things were like out there. Um, and so in speaking with him, he talked about the difficulties that he had because he was a police officer before. And, um, that's not a, that's not a skill that you can, that translates uh, overseas. You know, you can't do that from a distance. You can't be a virtual police officer. So he was over there. Um, and he didn't really have anything to do. They don't, uh, they don't give work permits to spouses of students. Over there, So he was essentially doing nothing for the time he was in Antigua and his wife was in medical school and it caused a real strain on their marriage. So I had that motivation of like, Hey, I got to figure this out. And so I had about eight months, um, to figure it out. Uh, from the time I, I, I you know, my wife was mulling it over to the time I um, I, we finally I finally moved over there in November of last year. But the thing is, Jeff, I gotta mention this: that this was always my intention. It was always my my desire, my intention, my goal, my purpose was to create a company that was totally virtual. But man, Jeff, I, I I'm sure that as just like any business owner, you've experienced this. And old habits die hard. And sometimes you just end up doing things yourself because it's sometimes faster. Sometimes, uh, it's perceived as easier, but down the road, uh, it's not in line with the way that you want to live your life. Uh, and so, man, I began to basically think about things in terms of what are the things that only I could do. And, you know, those things revolved around uh, decision-making. Uh, uh, it revolved around creating relationships with uh, business partners, referral partners. It revolved around things having to do with finances. Um, and everything else in terms of being a practitioner, man, I could, I could divvy that out to uh, assistants and to uh, contract employees. And so that's basically what I did, man. I set up a, a, a system of contract employees, uh, uh virtual assistants, and and now um, I am I'm 100 I'm virtual to the point where once once COVID hit, like a lot of people were scrambling. Like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And for myself and my staff, it was just another Monday. It's like, oh well, well I guess I'm not in Antigua anymore. Um. Here in in Miami, and, and it was just another day. Um, but along with that, Jeff, the thing that I said I was excited about was I um, I'm actually in the process of writing a book about it. Um, and the reason oh. why the book is 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 now uh, kind of taking a pause is because I want to see how COVID plays out. Because there's nothing worse than an outdated book. Um, you know, it's it's like, I love my favorite books to read are autobiographies uh, or biographies rather, you know, official biographies, not, not ones that people just write thinking that they know the person, but an autobiography or, or an official biography. But the problem is with biographies, Jeff, for me is that I don't like when, when they're written too early in the person's life because it's like, well, you have so much more life to live. And, you know, I need, I need to find out the inside story about that stuff as well, you know. So I like to like, when the person's about to die, and like, like, okay, now let me write my biography. So anyway, uh, the same thing with this book is, uh, I got to see how COVID plays out. And I, and I'm writing the book as I'm living it, you know, there's all the stuff that I did that got me to this point, And then there's, there's the COVID thing. And, and so, um, man, I'm excited about it. Um, And, and it'll be, it should be dropping, you know, this year. Obviously the timetable is, is thrown off, but, um, that's basically what I, what I'm, what I'm talking about in the, in the book. And so, uh, what I think is, is special is, is that, you know, the title of the book will be the underwear millionaire. And, and so it ties in with the stock ministry being, you know, sure. underwear, but it's really about, you know, how you can make millions while you're, while you're in your underwear. And now with us having Zoom meetings every day, we understand what it means to be an underwear entrepreneur uh, because you can be, I I haven't done underwear on a Zoom meeting, but I have done shorts up, down low, and then a suit up top. <laughs> and so, so really, man, being an underwear entrepreneur, what does that look like? So uh, that's uh that's that's the big thing that I'm working on man. Yo,
1: Jonathan, this is uh this is probably gonna be uh another uh episode because we wanna hear more about uh the underwear millionaire. Uh I think it's brilliant, uh and I would not expect any less uh from you obviously. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to know more about it. It's a new world out there. Uh, we have to adapt to it as fast as possible. I'm happy that you've actually, uh, gone through the, uh, uh, that, that process even before COVID hit. Cause me, I was all about that. I was all about remote work. I was, you know, I do digital marketing. You know, I, one thing that I really, really hated, but I had to do is like, Oh, could you come to my office and we'll talk about how we're going to do this and this and this and that. I'm like, seriously, man. So I'm going to drive <laughs> an hour to come to you, get stuck in traffic, come into your conference room, probably wait until you finish your last phone call, wait uh, and prepare a uh, presentation for you where we could have done it in 30 minutes via zoom. And, and there's also other things that, that take off, uh, that take up time is, oh, would you like some coffee? Would you like some water? Sure. You know, there's those little, you know, uh, uh, things that you do and uh, exchanges that you have also when you're in person. Where in the Zoom meeting, you know, the meeting is at 2 p.m. It ends at 2.30. You already know. Boom. You log in, you log off, and meeting is done, you know? And people would almost laugh at me. they was like, Jeff, come on. You know, let's, let's see each other. You know, let's, let's be real. We're doing business here. This is not a game. And then all of a sudden, now we're forced to do all of that and people are realizing how much efficient, how much more efficient that we are, you know, and the underwear thing is funny because I have done zoom meetings in my underwear, you know, so just put a shirt on, you know, and that's it. You know, yeah. you, co- you, co- co- you, know you comb your hair and you're ready. That's it. You know, so <laughs> I think it's great that you're doing this, especially in the field that you're in, you know, being a lawyer and being able to have contract employees and virtual assistants uh, uh, do some of the work for you while you are in Antigua or you're in Miami or wherever you're in Atlanta. And that's the future. Mm-hmm. That's how you're going to not, that's how you're going to build your wealth. You know, not having to exchange your time a hundred percent for a uh, financial return, you know, because you're going to have, you're building this entire process that will continue to operate regardless of the situation.
2: So, I and that's that. what I talk about in the, in the book, Jeff. Is that we're all hard capped at twenty four hours. No yep. matter who we are, we're, we're hard capped, right? Yep. Up. And so got this. So so people look at uh, the bill rate of attorneys, you know, whatever it may be, from you know three hundred fifty to you know five hundred fifty, six hundred dollars an hour, and they're like, "Man, I would love to make that per hour." But but at the end of the day. If you're trading time for money, you're hard cast man. And that is not the way forward. The, what I talk about in the book is instead of trading time for money, the people, underwear entrepreneurs trade money for money. So they create systems and make investments in, in their infrastructure and in people so that their money is making them money rather than their time making them money because money is potentially infinite. If you throw more money at it and you have a winning system, then you're going to get greater returns. And so that's basically, I was concurring with what you were saying, man.
1: Absolutely, man. And I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for the fun conversation and the all the uh, insights that you've shared with us, man. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure having you here and uh, reconnecting with you. I'm sure we will have you know uh, other conversations, uh, and and hopefully you can bring your back, you know, and talk about the underwear millionaire when it's published or or before yeah. it's published, and hopefully by then the getting social podcast will also uh, have the millions and millions of listeners that I keep bragging about that I don't
2: have right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Let me, before I go, man, let me just talk about a, l- a little bit about my, about my practice area in case some of your uh, listeners might be able I was to.
1: Just a, I was just. I was just about to ask you how people could reach you and about your practice, so go
2: ahead. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. So they could reach, uh, my, the name of my firm is The Onyx Group, so they could reach me at uh, theonyxlegal.com and The Onyx Group Legal on all the socials. Uh, but what we do is we work with, uh, we work breach of contract cases. So anybody who owes you money or anybody who you owe money to, so if, if if somebody owes you money, then you want to get that money. That's what we help with. Anybody, uh if you owe anybody money and they're coming after you for it, giving you protection for that, that's what we help with. Now, our main area of focus is landlord-tenant law. And so, you know, a, a, a lease is a contract. So in keeping in line with uh, breach of contract law. Um, and you know the person who's owed money is the is the landlord. sometimes it's the tenant um after a security deposit is not paid, and so that's where that's where we focus our our area of law, but really we work with lawsuits of of all kinds. so if you're dealing with any type of litigation, hit us up uh onyx group, and we would love to help you out. Thank you, Jonathan Can you spell onyx Group for us, please just in case yes, yes, it's t h e though and then onyx O N Y X and then the word group G R O U P and the reason why I named it the Onyx Group is because onyx is a black stone and I wanted something that represented the black community um and so man I wanted uh, I wanted to build sort of on the rock of the black community and, and really represent that and not not be somebody who gets Gets my success and kind of runs away with it. Um, I always want to keep that forefront. Like, hey, this is for my community. You know, this this is a black stone and it's going to be unbroken. So that's that's the whole meaning behind the onyx, and um, and that's who we are.
1: Uh, Jonathan, you're a badass man. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, appreciate that a lot. And uh, until Thank next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Getting Social Podcast. If you know a friend that would benefit from this episode, please share it. And remember to subscribe and review.